Matthew chapter 5, and, and uh, you can use the Bible in front of you, located in the rack in front of you. I, I would encourage you to do so. Um, and here we go. Verse 33 to 37. Again, you've heard it, heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now let me just remind you again. So, so notice the way this is framed. You have heard it said, and when he's, he's speaking to a great crowd of people and he's saying, you, all of you, the crowd, you have heard it said, this. But then he says, but I tell you, or but I say to you, and then it gets very personal. Because the you there is a singular you. So he says, you've been, you know, the crowds, you've heard, the crowds have heard this, but I'm going to tell you something now that you personally need to hear. This morning as we were worshiping and praying, I just had this very strong image of the Lord just coming and standing in front of each of us and looking into our eyes and speaking into our hearts. But I tell you, I say to you. James 5.12, we studied James some time ago, picks it up here. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, all you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. And we'll come back to that scripture in a little while. All right, let's give us the background. The background to what Jesus is saying here is embedded, again, he's sort of unpacking in many of these applications, he's unpacking the Ten Commandments, the, the Torah, the, 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 the deep, the, the, the beginnings of the law and all of that, but he's unpacking it in a profound and very contemporary way to those that he's speaking to. But what he's unpacking here has to do with Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, oftentimes, we've thought of that in terms of people um, swearing, not making oaths, but just imprecatory swearing. You know, when you hear, everywhere you hear... You know, you hear Jesus' name a lot, right? And when people say, Jesus Christ, I often just respond and say, yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay? But, but that's not even exactly what Exodus is talking about here. He's talking about misusing the name, attaching the name of the Lord specifically to something which is not true. So let's, let's go on. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane, profane the name of your God. I'm the Lord, Leviticus 19.12. Don't swear falsely by my name. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself to a pledge, he must not break his word but do everything that he said. So this is about, there, there's, okay, so the, the law is given for the context of our well-being and the well-being of our community. And as a community, God is saying, as the people of God, if you do not live out and walk in truthfulness, the very fabric of the community will begin to be frayed and broken. 
Understand this? If there is not truthfulness in the context of the community, truthfulness between us and God, it's going to affect, you know, I mean, we, we do all kinds of dances to hide from God, and he's looking down and saying, ha, ha, ha. just like with Adam and Eve, where are you? But it's not because he didn't know where they were. He was trying to ask them, do you know where I am? I'm right here. And, we, and when we're with other folks and other people, we don't want to be in that place. So, so Deuteronomy 23 expands on that a little bit more. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you'll be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you'll not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. So now there's two things. Let's just quickly unpack that a little further. There's oaths and there's vows. Oaths mean to invoke God or some sacred object to undergird a statement's truthfulness. Vows are to solemnly promise to God regarding something to be given or done. So these are two things that are very much closely related to each other. Okay? So you make an oath. So, so let's go back to Jesus's, Jesus's word here in Matthew 5 on oaths here. What does he say? You've heard it said, do not break your oath, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head, because you cannot make even one hair of it white or black, all right? I try to get my barber to cut out all the white hair in my own hair, but he's given up now, so, but I, I can't make them white, and I, well, you know, we can dye them, I suppose, but they're still what they are right? But here's the deal. Here's what was happening. What, what, what the, the legal experts would do is they, they had all kinds of ways now of making oaths or vows. They knew that if they invoked God, if they said God's name, then they were obligated to follow what it said. But if they didn't use God's name, then it was kind of like making a vow with, you know, in, in, you know, with your fingers crossed behind your back. So I'm going to, I will do this, and I swear by heaven that I will do this. I'm going to swear by all things, by earth, that I will do, I'll swear by the hairs of my head that I will do this. And so, but when you swear that, it was kind of like, well, when the time came and you didn't do what you did, well, you, you, you just get out of it by saying, well, I didn't really say God, I just said heaven. Well, Jesus says, you and I know what you've been saying but I want to remind you in Isaiah it says heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool so if you're swearing by those things you're still swearing by me and who put the hairs on your head anyway was it you no it was me your head belongs to me no matter what you are swearing you're swearing by me God is saying you get this you understand so Jesus is kind of piercing through, you know, th this is the problem of, of, of trying to fulfill the law by just slavishly following the rules and regulations because the human mind is infinitely capable of coming up with ways to get out of what the simple truth of something is, right? I mean, we, you know, wherever there is a line, we're going to figure out where there might be a jog in the line that we can step through, Right? 
There's got to be a loophole here somewhere. Well, Jesus just keeps getting rid of the loopholes because he's really after our hearts and transforming us from the inside out. You're not going to do this like the Pharisees do it. You've got to do it by me. All right? So let's look at some very significant, important principles this morning about truth-telling and about this whole issue of the vows and the oaths and all of those things, all right? I want to talk through some principles here. All right, <clears throat> based out of, coming out of this scripture, three principles and three practices that will be directly connected to the principles. All right, first of all, truth must not be manipulated. Truth must not be manipulated. Look what it says. All you need to say, verse 37, is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus has this conversation in John 8 where they're arguing with him and, and, and they're talking and they're saying, you know, what you do, you must do by the evil one and all these things. You know, Jesus said to them, well, and, or they're just having this whole conversation and, and they're denying, you know, he's talking about what it means to be children of Abraham, who's children of Abraham, and he says... If God were your father, you would love me, for I've come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. So this is something that, you know... Allow the Lord just to speak into your life for a moment, just to, to remind you that when we manipulate the truth, we are following in the footsteps of the father of lies. Because the father of lies is a liar. It's his native language. And you all know, we all know, I know, that we all face the temptation at times to manipulate the truth. But we do so at great peril because that puts us in the footsteps of the father of lies. Okay? Secondly, now this one, some of this message is a little more intuitive, so you're going to have to, but, but we need to hear this because I believe that this is the heart of what... Jesus wants to speak to us. He wants us, again, this is for the sake of our relationship with him and our relationship with others. So that as a community, we can function together in the fullness of his truth. The second thing is that truth must not be manipulative. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. He goes on just a little later in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, when we say the unwholesome talk, sometimes we think, well, that just means don't tell dirty jokes and you're okay. The unwholesome talk, I heard somebody describe it this way, in the context of this passage means this. Unwholesome talk is truth without love. 
And truth without love sometimes seeks to control and dominate people rather than release and empower them. So you can be absolutely true and absolutely wrong if it's not truth with love. Because if I'm using truth in order to control and dominate and manipulate people around me, you understand this? This is critical. Because this is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. This is exactly what the Sadducees and the teachers of the law were doing. This is exactly what the religious folk were doing. They were manipulating the people around them, and they were using truth, but without love, in a way that controlled and dominated and sought to you know, manipulate folks for their own purposes. I, I heard this definition many, many years ago, which is always been helpful to me. Manipulation is when you are seeking to have somebody do something that will benefit you. Motivation is when you are seeking to encourage somebody to do something that will, that will help and, and benefit them. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need to be really, you know, we need to be ruthlessly honest, allow the word of the Lord to go into our hearts to say, where am I using truth to manipulate other people, just to try to control and dominate them? Or am I using it to empower and release them, to build them up and release them into the fullness? Right? This is, I said it's kind of intuitive. <laughs> Are you following? Are you tracking? Are we okay? Yes, no, maybe? Is there fog still? Trying. Okay. So we may see something in, our, in, in another person's heart or in their life. We may see evidence of something that we, God's calling us to speak the truth into. Allow the sword of that truth to pass through your own heart first so that when you come to them, you come to them in a place of, of, of brokenness and openness in your own spirit so that when you share, and you may even share something that is hard, but it's hard, but it's brought with that spirit of love that builds up and brings life and releases them into who they're called to be truly, that you're building up, not tearing down. Okay? All right. We're tearing down lies, but we're building up people. Okay? All right, you're going to have to sit with this a little while. I've been sitting with it all week, and it's just marinating in my spirit, so. But just, yeah, hold on to this. Okay, finally, truth must not be marginalized. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Colossians 3. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and Songs of, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When we compartmentalize, whoops, we still have the question marks up there, Liz. I'm not sure why. When we compartmentalize our lives into sacred and secular categories, we are prone to um, segregate, that's the word there, Okay, so you get to do a fill-in today. Segregate truth to sacred pursuits only. We segregate truth to sacred pursuits only. In other words, when I come into the house of the Lord, then I'm going to speak truth, and I'm going to, to speak, um, word, you know, whatever. But, but when I'm on my job, man, anything goes. 
Okay, we always have this, this, you know, a lot of times people kind of commute between sacred and secular. And they compartmentalize their lives and they segregate out and say, well, this is, this is unto God and, well, this is, you know, this is where it's, the, the rubber hits the road, all right? Well, we need to no longer segregate or marginalize truth. It, it needs to be in every part of who we are. I remember reading this story in a small town, um, and whether it's a small town legend or not, I don't know, but I remember reading the story about, you know, it was a, it was a court of law, and they were, um, they were needing, in the court of law, they were, you know, to, to swear on the Bible, but they didn't have a Bible, for whatever reason, the Bible went missing. And so they couldn't proceed with the court proceedings until they found a Bible, and the, and the judge finally said, get Ed. So they brought Ed in, and, they, and, the, and the judge said, well, Ed, you're going to stand in for the Bible because I've known you for all of your life, and I don't know anyone who both knows and lives out the Word of God like you do. And so I'm going to have, you know, the, the, the witness here is going to place his hand on your head and swear. To tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God by Ed's head. All right? But Ed didn't marginalize the truth. In every part in pursuit of his life, he lived it out. Okay. So three practices that come from those. First, truth must not be manipulated. Truth, it must not be manipulative. And third, it must not be marginalized in our lives. So there's three practices that I'm going to invite us as a community to begin to walk in more fully than we have before. Not that we haven't been walking in it, but let's walk in it even to a greater fullness. Okay? The first is integrity. You've heard me say before, one of my favorite prayers is, is uh, David's prayer in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth. In the inner parts, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. That's Integrity has to do with wholeness here. When there's wholeness here, it begins to come out here. All right? So this integrity, it begins to come out in our words. And so my invitation to us is that integrity is essential for building true kingdom community of heart, of action, of word. Integrity is essential for building true kingdom community. So God, I mean, one of the prayers that you can simply ask is, Lord, unite my heart. Make it one. Make it whole. Bring it into, and, and, and this, I, I was studying the word wholehearted devotion, and it's the same root word as shalom. Bring my heart into true peace with you. So there's nothing, you know, that integral place. Then truth, then we won't manipulate truth. Here's the, here's the practice that will help us not to manipulate truth when our hearts are united. When there's integrity in here, our words will begin to reflect that integrity. Our lives will reflect that integrity, okay? Secondly, honesty. Whoa, well, this is breathtakingly original, Pastor. Well, but how many know that honesty isn't so common? among us, not here in the church, but I just mean in general, in the world, in life. So 
truth is not to be manipulative. It's, we're simply called to honesty. I, I love what Paul says here, and this is right after a passage where he talks about let, uh, the yes and no and, and, and Jesus and all the promises and God are yes and amen. And, and then he says, I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it that was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith that you stand firm. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you. There's the point. Paul the Apostle, who wrote you know, a good portion of the New Testament, who understood truth as what, you know, he says, I'm not doing this to lord over you, but I'm working with you. Honesty brings clarity and ultimately benefits both the speaker and the hearer when we're just simply honest. It brings clarity to situations. So the manipulation goes away because it's just, it's just clear. We're just standing clear. And it benefits both us and the people around us. Simple honesty. Thirdly, is simplicity. Rather than, again, this marginalization, above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or earth, by anything else. All you need to say is a simple, a simple yes or no. James 5. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Simplicity of heart and word breaks the barrier between the sacred and secular and frees us to live a fully integrated life. So instead of a segregated life, simplicity breaks through that. Again, it brings us to that oneness, that unitedness in our hearts. Lord, help us to practice simplicity in our speech. What would be the opposite of simplicity? Duplicity. Speaking out of both sides of our mouth. It's a, let me just tell you this. It's a lot, life is a lot um, freer when you live it in a place of simplicity and honesty and integrity. Because you don't have to spend all your time like throwing up dust and trying to convince people that you're really who you know. You know, whatever. It just, it just, <laughs> you don't got to do all that. Here I am. This is who I am. Was it Popeye? I am what I am. I am what I am. Right? So God, help us to begin to live. Wouldn't that be nice to just live in that place? Let our words begin to, and what that would do to our community, it just, all that other stuff becomes poison. The manipulation, right? The manipulativeness, the marginal, all of that just, it's exhausting and it's, and it's de-energizing and it's, zaps life. It takes life out. We're called to radiate life and joy. What better way than with true words? Right? Words spoken, truth spoken in love. Again, the words that Sarah brought to us a year ago. Truth without love is not truth. Love without truth is not love. Right? I mean, we need both walk in the fullness of what God intends. God walks this way with us. 
Here's the promise. I love this. Hebrews 6. And do we have the other part or we don't? Okay. So go to Hebrews 6. Because it's actually 13 to 19. So, sorry, we got the first part up there, but I want the last part too. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Listen to verse 17 to 19 now. Because God wanted to make the very... um, Sorry, to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that, by, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hope set before us may be greatly encouraged, and we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, and it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I love that. God, by two things by which it is impossible for God to lie. So, so, the, so the promise here, the thing that I want us to, to, to rest in today, the settled place that we can start from all of this transformation, and Jesus is the living embodiment of that, is that God always tells the truth. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And when he made an oath, he made it on his own head, on his own self, because there's nothing greater for him to swear by but himself. And so you can be absolutely certain that God will always speak to you with integrity, with honesty, and with simplicity. Because he's got no other way to speak. He doesn't speak any other way, right? Because of who he is. And that's a hope that we have. That's the promise, the hope that we have. So the promises that he's given in his word, the hopes that we were talking about and Lynn brought to us even this morning, the, 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 the hope of his coming again. We have this hope. It's, a, it's, it's settled in our spirit. Because he doesn't lie. And he wants us, his people, to reflect him in that place. All right. We're going to sing a um, song, Word of God Speak. And again, you have heard it said, but I say to you, perhaps this morning God spoke to you something. I know he's been speaking to me through this message, even this week in my preparation. God's speaking to my heart. Maybe you find yourself just longing for that kind of integral, honest, simple place to come to there. Well, this morning, Jesus is speaking to us individually. He's speaking to us corporately, but he's saying to you, to me, don't manipulate the truth. Don't manipulate others with truth. Don't be manipulative. Don't marginalize this truth. Let the true words begin to Speak into your life and into your spirit. Is this okay? Everybody all right? I don't know. This is helping me, so I hope it's helping some of you as well. I really feel like God's just, hmm. For right now, I'm just going to ask you to stay seated for a moment. We're just going to sing this in a reflective way. And just let God 
come, I just, like I said earlier, I just saw him going and standing in front of each of us. Let him just stand before you right now. And let this be your prayer as he stands before you right now. And we're going to invite him to speak to us right here, right now. Then we'll close in just a moment. While they just quietly play that, it's going to take a moment. You can let it stretch for just a moment and just let the Lord just speak to your heart right now. Whatever it is he wants to speak to you. He may just want to tell you how much he loves you. He may put his finger on something in your life that he wants to, to bring into right orientation around his truth, whatever that is, just a place where you've been caught in some lies of whatever kind, just with words, actions, attitudes, he wants to come. He's always bringing us and getting us rightly back crooked places he's making straight, rough places smooth, low places he's bringing up, high places down. All right, so let him speak right now. Lord has spoken to your heart today. If he has, spoken something specific. Obedience means to listen and do, so then just respond to that. He's spoken something to me that I'm going to need to respond to. So just step forth in obedience, whatever that is, and God honors and loves obedience. I'm going to do a benediction prayer, but then after that I'm going to open up the altar. We're going to close... We're going to continue to worship after I close with um, Holy Spirit rain down. Again, it's Pentecost Sunday. If you just need the Lord to just minister in some area that's come through the preaching today, just you're just dry, you need a fresh touch, you want to feel that sense or want to sense again or experience the release of the prophetic in your life, whatever that is, um, I'm going to ask for um, prayer ministers, elders. Uh, mosaic leaders, others to come, whoever, just pastors come and um, we'll pray with you. Um, we're not in a hurry and neither is God, but I know some of you have plans, so you may need to go and that's just fine. Um, so if we could stand together, I'll do a benediction and then the altar's open or you can stay where you are and just continue to worship. Lord Jesus, you who are the living word, have come and spoken to us today out of the fullness of who you are. And Jesus, um, if there are any words that I have spoken that have not either been <laughs> integral or honest or simple in some way or another, Lord, I pray that you'll just let those fall to the side and I pray that, Lord, only those things which you have that you want to speak directly into our spirit and soul, Lord, to bring. Lord, we want to be a house that is established on your truth, Lord, your living truth, so that we can radiate your life and joy without compromise to the world around us. So God, help us, move in us, work in us, continue, Lord, to, to, to do the deep work in us, we pray, God. We welcome you, Jesus, Spirit of God. Father, come and, and move in us, we pray. And now with open hands, I pray that you would be filled afresh this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit.
be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and goodness and mercy will chase you down every day of your life. Be blessed, people of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.